0: Well, good, morning. good morning. Turn in your devices or your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. We're going to be looking at that. And let's, uh, let's talk to the Lord. Father, thank you for uh, just giving me this privilege to speak your word. Holy Spirit, help me to effectively represent the very words, the things that you intended for us to glean, to garner from this passage. Lord, help me to uh, productively and effectively uh, and honestly represent your heart from these words. The heart that you intend for us to have. Thanks, Lord. Amen. So beginning with verse 5... You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, now everybody look up. No peeking. No looking ahead at your notes, at the scriptures or your Bible. uh, Because I I really feel it's important that we pause here. You've heard it said, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you always want to stop and see what it's there for right? And so, when I read this passage, um, especially the the words that are coming, something happens in me. I start hearing noises like drum rolls and uh, sustained strings and horns. Uh, Something just begins to build in my spirit and, uh, you, you know, there's this need for some sort of eruption in praise at the end of this so because it solicits that I feel like we should practice okay so just stay seated all right no looking ahead again all right so when we get to the end of this passage I want you to stand up and I want you to respond just however your heart uh, just is compelled to respond as a result of what you're going to hear okay And uh, I want to see hats flying, small children if they're here, um, (laughs) devices, okay? Just whatever you have to do for the appropriate response for what you're going to hear. I'm going to let you practice. Don't stand though, okay? So let's just pretend that what you're about to hear is something like that because of what Jesus did, because he chose to give up His privileges, and because he chose to humble himself and die a death that was the death that a criminal would die, and he did this out of obedience to God, because of that, therefore, God elevated him. Okay, no, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Okay, let's just pretend that what you're going to hear is that because, of he, because he did that, God elevated him to the highest place above every other place, above heaven and even below the earth, and he gave him a name above all names that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. Okay, let's just pretend that that's, that that's what God did. Okay, how would you respond? Stay seated, but just go ahead and practice here. How would you respond? Woo! Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, guess what? Let's read it. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you but be- <laughs> What? There you go! There you go! I mean, that's just... Now, Romans 12, verse 1 says, that is your reasonable response. It is your reasonable worship to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's the title of this sermon, uh, sacrifice. We're going to look at three things that Jesus sacrificed... But before we do that, um, let me just create a little context. Philippians 2 verse 5, uh, again, we're just going to go back now and take this a piece at a time. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Really? Yeah. You must have the same attitude. Um, some translations say, um, "Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus." Why? Two things. Um, and these aren't your points. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you a reason. Okay. Why you would do the things that Jesus did in order to have the mind that he did. Why you would uh, give up uh, certain privileges. Why you would humble yourself. Why I would um, be obedient to God. I think the first reason is because we can look at where it got him. That's what we just celebrated. I mean, look at where it got him. So in this life, I can either elevate myself or I can be elevated by the Father like the Father did in Jesus as a result of his obedience. Um, Look where it got him and I want to be there. I want to be where he is. Um, He's at the right hand of the Father preparing a place for us that where He is, He said in John 14, where He is that we would be there also. Um, He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. In other words, no joke. Not lying to you. This is real stuff. So I want to be there. Um, I figure if I want to be where He is, then I should probably follow Him to get there and uh, go the way He went. It makes sense, right? Right? There's a song that we used to sing kind of a a years ago, a a simple worship chorus. It was kind of something like, um, went something like this. I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory, in your presence. That's where I always want to be. Remember the song? And then it went on to say... But I don't want to humble myself, and I really don't want to be obedient, and I really don't want to give up my privileges, but I want to be where you are. Dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory. Well, which is it? So first, I think a good reason is, um, well, look where it got him. Another reason is love. Um, I think love is a good motivator. However, um, I really don't want to come to you today and and just say, you know, humble yourself. Because Jesus did. And, And do it because you love him. Well, this may come as a shock to you, but, um, and you maybe I've told you before, I was a Y child, terrible. If you have a a Y child, I'm so sorry. I, I just feel like I should repent of what I put my dad through especially. Um, the first answer was never enough. It just it just fueled it just primed my pump it just led to another why, and so when I hear Doug humble yourself um, and do it because you love Jesus, uh, do it because it you got you know it's, it's look where it got him that's still not enough for me. I mean it sounds nice. Um, you know, that that we would do things like forgive one another because Jesus forgave us and that we would humble ourselves because Jesus was humble. But that's not enough for me because if love is going to be a motivating factor, um, I'm not feeling the love yet. And I'm sorry if that comes as a shock to you, but I'm not feeling the love yet. Because I sort of expect Jesus to do these sorts of things. I mean, He's God. He was on a mission. I kind of expect Him to do this. He can do this. And I, I like the idea that because He did it, because He lowered Himself, died uh, taking on the punishment of my sin, and then demonstrating His authority, over sin and the grave by raising from the dead i like that because he did all that i too if i believe in him and confess him as lord and follow him will experience eternal life i like that i like the whole grace story that i'm under his grace but that's that's another sermon we're 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 still asking this question why, why humble myself And have the mind of Christ. Why put on the attitude? Have the attitude of Christ. Let's uh, approach it from maybe another angle. If the wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6.23, and Jesus never sinned was tempted in every way yet every way that is common to man according to Hebrews four fifteen, this high priest of ours understands our weakness for he faced all of the same testings we do yet did not sin okay so I get it he died for me But let's think about this. If he had no wages, you know what I'm saying? If the wages of sin is death, If if the consequences or the punishment, the payment for my sin is death, it makes sense that I would die. And I get the whole gospel story that, that I will have life after death because he took on my sin, he rose from the dead. But, if he had no wages, that means that Jesus is the only being that ever existed ever will, past, present, or future, that will ever or ever had the right to never experience mortality. It was his right. It was his privilege. He didn't have to. He chose to die to which he was not naturally liable. He lowered not only to death, but to the lowest and most disgraceful kind of death, the death of the cross, the punishment of the meanest of slaves and the worst of sinners. He did that. It was his right not to. He had no wages. He'd never sinned. I was discussing this subject with uh, Dr. Johnson, one of our elders, and he reminded me that uh, Oswald Chambers once said, the only right we have as Christians is to give up our rights. Here's my point. What right do I have to not give up my rights? Number one, give up our privileges. That's how we put on the mind of Christ. We give up our privileges. What right do I have to not give up my privileges? You see, now I'm feeling the love because when I consider not just that he died for me, but it was his right not to experience what he experienced, that he would, he should have never, it was his right to never pass under the kingdom of death. But he gave up that right. Let me parallel this principle with another one that Jesus used. See, we sometimes treat things like forgiveness, forgiving one another, like it's sort of optional. Um, and that's for, first of all, it's for people that it comes easy for. It's, it's, and it's for those occasions when somebody actually made it right. They, they, there was restitution, they apologized, they, and, and so then, of course, we're... We should forgive because Jesus said to forgive. But all the whole time it's sort of in this context of optional. If we feel like it. If it's warranted. If it makes sense. Because after all, Jesus said, uh, Forgive one another even as I forgave you. Paul in Ephesians 4.32 said, Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. So Jesus did so you know, that's what we're doing. But I already told you, the fact that Jesus did it isn't enough for me. I expect him to do these things. I expect him to forgive me the way he forgave me, unconditionally and self-sacrificially. He's, he. That's who he is. That's what he's about. That's his mind. But why would I put on that mind? Why would I have that attitude? Until Jesus comes along and says... Let me tell you a parable, Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Now, I'll just give you the short version. There's a master, a servant comes in, begs forgiveness for a $10,000 debt. And the master forgives him the debt because there's no way he could pay it. That's another sermon, right? There's no way he could repay it. There's no way we can repay our debt because of our sin. And so, he forgives him the debt, says, you're free to go. Free and clear. It's like, I'm going to pay the debt for you. You can go. Isn't that what Jesus did? So you see where this parable is going. And so the guy goes out, but he encounters somebody that owes him just $1,000. And he grabs him by the neck and drags him off to jail and has him thrown into jail. Apparently, citizen's arrest was still cool then. Throws him into jail. Well, some of the other servants saw this, and they went to the master and told him what had happened. And the master says, well, bring him in. I want to talk to him and so the guy comes in and he says what what master says what gives i just forgave you 10,000 and you can't forgive a thousand uh yeah it's not how it works and he has him cast into like outer darkness like you know life in prison and then jesus ends the parable and he says this whole point of the parable this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart Oh, you see how Jesus has this way of speaking things that um, it was His intent all along that it would be as good as law, spirit. you know, spiritual law. Now, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not setting up rules for you. I'm saying, could we just consider that the things that Jesus spoke, He meant what He said and He intended it, and He intended it so poignantly that, that He would kind of, say something that pulls the rug out from under our options theory. So, so in a sense, it's, it's like spiritual law. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself and I'll explain to you what I mean by that. So, I parallel this idea of forgiveness not being optional because Jesus said unless you forgive your brother from your heart, neither will my heavenly Father forgive you, with humble yourself. Um, it's, it's almost like spiritual law. We have no right to, to do otherwise in light of what he did. So how do we have the attitude of Jesus not living with an entitlement attitude? How do we do that? Well, Hebrews 12.2 tells us. We do this. (laughs) I like that. The Bible is so helpful. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting Him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now, He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. There it is again, the cause and effect. Because of what he did, he seated. God God did that. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Fixating on him. Looking at him. Staying focused on him. You know, he's very influential. He's very transformational. When you hang out with him, when you focus on Him, when you set your mind on Him, He influences. He changes. He transforms. He's like hanging out with the good friend that your parents want you to hang out with. Right? Because remember when our parents didn't want us hanging out with that other person? Because why? They were influential. Well, Jesus is very influential. And so if we set our thoughts on Him, set our minds on Him, He is the author and perfecter of our faith. I love that term, author, completer. It's almost like He just, He gets out His pen and He just starts writing things about Him on our heart when we set our sights on Him. Just writing things we didn't already know and, and just revealing Himself to us when we focus on Him. secondly, we're going to humble ourselves. That's what he did in that first passage, passage that got him to where he is. Philippians two seven says, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So it positions us with Jesus. Culture and sin nature is, uh, it says my dreams, my comforts, my desires, my gratifications are priority. But he emptied himself so that he could take a humble position. That word Humble, he humbled himself. It translates from the word emptied. He emptied himself. Jesus' attitude is my father's will is priority. So I'm going to empty myself of my will. The second thing is Jesus is counterculture. You can write that down. It's in your notes. He is counterculture and counters my sin. It is our nature to put ourselves first. Think about this. So if I were to, let's say if all the kids were here today, And I were to say, okay, all the the kindergartners, raise your hand. They'd raise their hands because they like to do that. And if I were to say, okay, I want you to get up, come down here calmly, um, line up these stairs and stop on this line right here. We're going to go out this way and get some ice cream. You know what would happen. Before I could even finish the sentence, your toes would be stepped on. You'd be climbed over the top of. They would run they would, they would, some would pretend like they weren't running. They'd do that speed walk to get away with it, right? They'd come down here. They'd pile right here. They'd throw punches and elbows and pull hair and scratch. And, and then I better not be standing here if I said stop there, right? Uh, especially for you male teachers, kindergarten is a dangerous age. It's a dangerous height, right? <laughs> I mean, you got to protect yourself around here. Why do they do that? Well, I know why. And uh, how many teachers are here today? Any teachers? It's all, it's all the teachers know why. Because as parents, we teach them to do that. Uh, we coach them the day before school, first day of school. Look, if you're going to be first in line, here's what it's going to take. <laughs> all right? You've you got to be willing to fight for it. All right, you, you've got to be able to tr- be willing to trip, throw some punches, pull some hair, do whatever it takes to be first in line. Right? I mean, we t- we coach them, we teach them how to do that. Just like the 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 reason the pre kindergartners, they they throw themselves on the ground on their back, and they and they make fists and they kick their heels against the ground and pound the ground and turn red and stop breathing in order to get their way. It's because one day every parent does this. We throw our, we say now watch and we throw ourselves on the ground and we and, and we demonstrate so they will know how to demonstrate to get their way right i mean we teach them to do this well no so why do they do it well it's because they're little sinners <laughs> they're just little sinners and 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 so we teach them and we we share Bible passages with them. We tell them what Jesus says. And, and we send them to school. And hopefully the, the teachers will help us. And, and we'll, we'll gang up on them and we'll teach them right behavior. Because it's counter the sin nature and it's counter culture. And so Jesus calls us. It's a calling. It's a godly calling. He calls us to humility to put others first because it counters our sin nature. Get in line for promotion, right? That's what the world says, get in line. That means get first. My mother is the director of the um, Medford, Oregon Women's Shelter, and so they take in about 40 women every night after 4 o'clock off the streets and they uh, feed them a meal and a bed and a Bible study. And she has a, uh, she's designed it to where women that want to follow Jesus can sign up for a one-year discipleship program, and they can become disciples, followers, and uh, they can be involved in helping with the ministry and leading the ministry. And so one of her newest disciples recently said, uh, came to her complaining because she had, she was in line at dinner and uh, took, you know, first, and she had to leave the line, come back, and the vibe that she got was that she'd sort of lost her place, Right? And so she was upset about that. She comes to my mom complaining, and my mom says, I'm confused. You have to know how my mom rolls. She said, I, I don't understand. I'm confused. What were you doing in the front of the line? And uh, she said, I, I, I thought you were here to serve. Did you, did you sign up to serve uh, as a disciple? And she said, yeah. Well, service starts at the end of the line. So take your position. Uh, you know that around here, the clients, all those are the people that are coming off the streets first time, the clients all eat first, the disciples eat second, and Daryl and I, that's my dad and my mom, Daryl and I eat last. So, you should just be like barely ahead of me. So, take your position. Get in line for promotion. Because he lived by kingdom standards and not worldly standards, he was elevated. However, it was because the Father elevated him, not because he elevated himself. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 2 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. See? It's a calling. You've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. There it is. There is um, a story about a young boy and his mom who uh, were getting on the elevator to go up to the second floor at the doctor's office. And as they, as they backed up against the elevator, they, because they realized it was just starting to fill up, and it did, um, one of the passengers that got on was a very elegant woman who uh, was wearing a very thin, silky, beautiful dress, And uh, she got on and uh, halfway up, the silence was broken by this screech that could only come from a woman. And she yells, your son bit me! Of course, the boy had a reasonable explanation. He said, she sitted in my face so I bited her off. There are um, bitings happening all around us because people feel like their space has been invaded, they feel sat on, they feel pressured, Um, but the Christian who puts on the mind of Christ, who has the attitude of Jesus, humbles himself and thinks of others and puts others first. Ahead of themselves. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. And finally, be obedient. He humbled himself to obedience. Verse 8. He humbled himself in obedience to God. So now, as I mentioned earlier, I want to explain what I mean by spiritual law. Jesus established humility as a spiritual law. And I want to tell you, that that's kind of, those terms, I know they seem kind of strong, I'm not talking about legalism, it's just a term that helps me, those are my terms, so it's just one guy's opinion, okay, that, that's not like, um, you know, something I've read, or uh, this is just the deductive reasoning that helps me get there from here, because I'm a why child, All right? Um, why do I humble myself? Why, am I, why do I act in obedience? Um I need, to, I need to consider that it's like spiritual law in the, in the same way that Jesus put forgiveness that we treat as optional, sort of um, in that context of cause and effect, spiritual law. I believe he does this with humility also. And what I mean by spiritual law is it's sort of like, um, and I, maybe I've said this before, but like the law of gravity. You know, you can jump out of an airplane a hundred times without a parachute and you'll never be disappointed. Right, because what is it's gravity. I mean, you just don't don't be disappointed. You, without a parachute, you're going to hit the ground. You can bank your, you can bet your life on the law of gravity. You can bet your life on the law of nature, the law of the harvest. If you plant a weed, a weed will come up. If you plant an apple seed, apple trees will come up. Jesus said that a a fresh. String, a, a fresh spring cannot produce salt water. It's just, it's just cause and effect. These are the laws of nature. They're the laws of the... And there, there are some spiritual laws. One of, the, one of the spiritual laws that we refer to is Romans 6.23. We just talked about The wages of sin is death, but the effect is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. It's kind of like a spiritual law. So that's what I mean. And I think that it would do us well to consider some of these things that Jesus said as spiritual law, not as optional. And he said, humble himself. And you say, well, where did I get that? Well, how about Luke 14, verse 11. For those who exalt themselves will be exalted. King James Version says, abased. Abased meaning downgraded or humility. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Exalted. Sounds like cause and effect, doesn't it? I mean, and Jesus said this. In fact, um, Scott, there's Scott. Scott's in my life group, and he said one time, you know, what is it about preachers? Um, They usually, at some point in the sermon, they'll say, you know, if, if, if you don't get anything else out of this, if you just get this one thing, this is what you need to get. So, Scott, here's your one thing, okay? You can forget, you can just go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> he was going to go. He was headed out. Uh, here, you know, here's the, here's the one thing. Well, what if I don't do either? Since Jesus didn't offer the option in his words, let's consider that there is no option. That if we're not humbling ourselves we are elevating ourselves in some way obedience is love what if Andrew my son said to me dad I love you but no son respect your mother dad I love you but no is that love? Love sounds like, yes, obedience. Obedience is love. I love Him because He first loved me. And what I'm trying to tell you today is just do it because Jesus did wasn't enough for me. I had to consider that I had no right to do anything else. Now, I'm not perfect. I do this with varying degrees of success. But what keeps me, what brings me back to correction, what alters my heart is when I consider I have no right to do anything else. I have no right to not forgive you. Look how he's forgiven me. I have no right to not be humble and not to be obedient to God. I have no right. Look what he did. The only person that ever possessed the right to not experience mortality passed under the kingdom of death. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to lower himself to that. He chose to, now I'm feeling the love. Why must I have the same attitude as Jesus? Relationally, because of love. Practically, it positions me with Him. He's commissioned me to change culture. He's established it as a spiritual law. I want you to look at this statement. And uh, as I close, I want you to read it uh, silently because I'm going I'm to lead us and have us read this congregationally. But before you commit to it, I want you to know what you're committing to and you have the option to not. Um, And it's not because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you might be here today and you're just here taking inventory. You walked in and said, man, I I don't know. I heard about, and I I just, I don't know about Jesus. And you're just, you're seeking God. You're asking God questions and you're just not sure. Um, Then you're in the right place. I mean, this is the place to ask. This is the place to take inventory. And today, that. That should be right right where you are. And and man, under God's grace and with my permission, uh, do not feel like you have to recite this. Okay? So has everybody had a chance to look at it? Must. Paul said, you must have the attitude of Christ. That's a position statement. It positions me where He is. So, If this would be your mission for life, your position statement, would you say it with me out loud together? Begin. I must, as a follower of Jesus, because I love Him, choose this position of humility. Because He is in me and I am His, I believe what He says and I want to be where He is. I choose to not follow the position of the world and only gain the world, but instead position myself with Jesus in humility and will be elevated with Him in the way of the kingdom of heaven. Why do I need, why do I need to have the mind of Jesus and take on His characteristics? Because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I expect the benefits of heaven. And then I am obligated to the mission of Jesus. Jesus labored to promote no separate interest. As man, He studied to promote the glory of God and the welfare and salvation of others. Let's see to it that we have the same attitude that was in Jesus. He was ever humble, loving, patient, laborious. His meat and drink was to do the will of the Father and to finish His work. I take on the character of of Jesus if I take on the character of Jesus I will not have to perform these things out of obligation because I will be these things not try I will be how do we do this we set our sights we fix our sights on Jesus let this mind be in you his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are higher than our thoughts Isaiah 55, 9.